If you will, open up your Bibles to John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. We've been sharing a topic called uh, The Real Walk, and we've been talking about how Jesus uh, basically uh, told his disciples there was going to be a new way to walk with God after he left, and it would be to their advantage that he would leave which is a wild thought because most people think if I could have only lived when Jesus was here, it would have been better to be here with him. Now, I'm sure there would have been some cool things, but he said it was to their advantage that he was leaving because there was going to be a change that in the way that people could walk with God And so it's important for us to think about this and see this because if this was to be an advantage and we're not experiencing an advantage, we need to look why. Now, let me say this to Christians who've kind of known the Lord for a while. Part of the advantage is there's an element where we're not just committed at the beginning with our walk, we're committed all the way through. As a matter of fact, when people's experience with God kind of started to wane and it just wasn't the vibrancy or the, what they once had, he said, remember from where you fell. He called it falling. And he said, repent. So repentance is a New Testament word. And he said, do the first works. In other words, do the things or be committed like you were at the beginning. Be zealous like you were when you first gave your life to the Lord. Everybody awake? Uh, There is something to be said about maintaining zeal and commitment. And it's interesting that there are places in the Bible, I was reading one the other day and I thought, man, he made such emphasis on our heart would follow if our actions would be there. And sometimes people prioritize other things in their life and their commitment isn't the kingdom and isn't the church and it's not that they're not saved. I mean, they knew the Lord, they know the Lord, but somehow other things became a priority and the church and the church really is God's design until Jesus comes back. And if it's God's design and God's plan, it's God's priority. And if it's God's priority, then it needs to be our priority. Amen? When he comes back, this will all end. And so if this is his priority, and this is the avenue which he works through, we need to be all in to his plan. Are you with me? And we need to think properly about his plan and do different things in line with his plan. And because if we don't, this is the only life we have. Some people say, well, let's just quit and let's go. That's not how it works. Amen. And I know there are Christians that have a defeated mentality and they just wish they could leave. But there's a better way. 
we, we need to remember we were there once too without the Lord. And so we need to make God's things a priority while we're here because somebody may, may say, well, maybe he won't come in our lifetime, but it's our only life that we can give toward God. And that is important. So John 16, John 16, we've been reading this. And if you've been here or maybe followed online, one thing we've done is we've read verse 7 and then we've skipped a few verses and started reading below. Today, we're not skipping. We're going to go right into the next verse. Notice this, John 16, verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Now, we read before, they're all sorrowful because Jesus told them, you've been with me all this time, and you know, you've traveled with me, but um, I'm going to be leaving. And, he, and they're sorrowful, but he said, listen, it is to your benefit. It will benefit you if I leave. And we've talked about why it will benefit. And he said it. For if I do not go away, the helper who we know, and we've looked at this now for a few weeks, he's called the Holy Spirit. He's called the Comforter. He's the one who would take Jesus's place in the earth. But we've seen this, the way he takes Jesus's place was he doesn't come and walk with us like Jesus walked with them and would go home at night or tell the crowds, go back home, and he would travel to a new place. The Holy Spirit will not only be with us, he said he'd be in each one of us that have received the Lord. And then we can obviously, and we've looked at this, be filled to overflowing with the Spirit. That was an advantage they didn't know. The Holy Spirit is called the teacher of truth. So Jesus used to teach them, but now we have the Holy Spirit in us to open up the Word of God. Now we realize this, the Bible is the priority. The Bible is the highest thing. We don't have to have a special feeling for the Bible. We can just act on it, and it is true. Are you with me? I don't have to go, well, I don't know if the Lord's leading me to, to be committed. No, he said it. Amen. I knew you'd be excited about that. But any other thing, well, the Lord's not leading me to forgive. He said it. But as we read on, he said, the helper will not come, but if I depart, I will send him to you. And we've been emphasizing the Holy Spirit in us and how the different things he will do and help us in our walk, in our life. But the very first thing that Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do in us and through us is kingdom priority and really kingdom-mindedness. And it's right here in the eighth verse. And when he... So the helper is not an it. The, the comforter is not some force. The, the Holy Spirit is not some energy out there. It's the third person of the Godhead. It is God himself who has chosen in this new covenant that is established in Christ to come and indwell a person that's made new. 
Because he used to indwell buildings, now he will manifest in a building because that's God's design for people to gather together, but he literally lives in the believer now. That is a huge, huge benefit that maybe is tapped into and maybe not like it should be. But by reading these things and looking at this, we're going to get helped. We're going to uh, be benefited. Notice this. And when he has come, he, 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 not it, he, not it. So when, you know, the Bible talks about, you know, grieving the Holy Spirit, you got to realize this. We're singing songs and at various times we'll be singing and different people will go, wow, could you sense the presence of God? Anybody ever done that before and went, wow, that was powerful. But realize this, it's not just some energy. We're actually having an encounter with God. We're having an encounter with Him by the Holy Spirit. You know, we sang that song, You're Here in Our Midst. Whether we feel Him or sense Him or not, He is because He said He would be. But we do at times sense Him. And sometimes maybe really strong, really we're just coming under the influence of the Holy Spirit. We're not coming under the influence of just a presence. We're coming under the influence or being influenced by God himself. Are you with me? And when he has come, notice the very first thing he said. He said, he will convict. So not a word that a lot of people use anymore because nobody wants conviction or to be convicted. But conviction is a good thing. It is real good. It's a good thing to have conviction. You know, we talk about having personal convictions. What is it to have a personal conviction? Somewhere along the line, you've incorporated or God has put a conviction, you say, that's wrong, this is right, and you hold to those lines, you say, I have a conviction about this. In other words, do I have a conviction about reading my Bible? Do I have a conviction, I see the right and wrong, that I need to tell people about the Lord? Do I have a conviction that I need to be committed to church and committed to supporting his things? Do I have a conviction? What kind of convictions do I have? Am I a good example at work or, or do I lie or am I dishonest or do I live with conviction? And I say, well, I can't do that because that's against the values I have, which we get those values from God. So we have convictions, but the Holy Spirit will convict. That's a good thing to be convicted. It's how people get saved. But notice what he said. 
Now, we've been looking at this, but there's a phrase here that is super important. It said he will convict the world. In other words, the people who don't know the Lord, he will convict them. Somebody said, well, I sure help, hope he hurries up and does it. I'm wondering when these people are going to come in. Don't, don't, don't amen to that. Sack like he's saying it wrong or something. Notice he will, when he is come, isn't it interesting, we read this before, that Jesus said when you give your life to the Lord, he said, wait till the Holy Spirit has indwelt you with power, be filled. So he's come. He said once he has come, he will convict the world. He will convict the world. He will convict the world of sin. In other words, they'll have a sense I'm not right with God. Something is amiss. And notice it doesn't say, I have to convict them. But he's going to use us. Because the context here is the Holy Spirit coming to live in us. And through us, he's going to convict the world. Well, what's he going to convict the world of? He said, when he has come, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And then he goes on to explain some of these things. And these are super important because they're connected to how we win people to the Lord. And we need to be skilled to reach people. You know, because if people are not convicted by the Holy Spirit... It's because somebody hasn't told them about Jesus. And if they're not convicted here, and they are not given the opportunity like they should be to know the Lord, they will be convicted there for eternity. In other words, it's better for them, and it's our responsibility, because the Bible said if we don't tell them, their blood is on our hands. So in other words, me talking to people, you know, sharing my faith with people is a huge thing. And it really is the way that God opens up people to him. There was a whole area when Jesus performed a great miracle, cast the devil out of this man that had a demon and really a legion possessed him. And these thousands of pigs, the Lord permitted them to go into these pigs that were there. And those things ran off the hill and killed themselves. Then the people of the city heard about this guy who was out of control, had this dramatic change. And they came and saw Jesus, saw this man who was set free. And these people kind of got afraid. And they're like, they told Jesus, get out of here. So some things haven't changed. And so you know what happened? Jesus said, no, I'm staying. No, he left. He got in the boat, got his disciples in the boat. They're loading the boat, you know, and uh, everybody's getting on. And we got this new disciple, this man who, who's now free, who has had this, this 
tremendous experience with God. And he said, I want to go with you. And the Lord said, no, you can't come with me. Yeah, the Lord said that. He said, here's what you need to do. Because he had an inroads with these people that the Lord didn't. He said, go back and tell them the good things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. In other words, go back and share your personal experience of what's happened in your life with some other people, with these people, and he was the one who is going to be instrumental in opening up those people to the Lord. That is something that we should not lose focus on when the very first thing he mentions here is the work that the Holy Spirit will do in us or, and through us to a lost and a dying world that is destitute without the Lord. And God has put this responsibility on us. It would be a shame for us to think, wonder when God's going to just bring him in. But always it's told, go out. As a matter of fact, there was such power being demonstrated in the church at one time. This couple had a, brought money from the land, you know, that they, they had sold. And they held back part of it, you know, like if they had $20,000 for a piece of property. And they gave ten, and they told everybody, yeah, we gave everything. Putting on a show. They're lying in church. Lying. And he said... You know, actually the husband first, then the wife. And he said, you know, while that was yours, you could do with it what you wanted to. But now that you, you know, and when it was, when it was in your possession, it was yours to do with what you wanted. But they were lying, and the person fell dead. Then his wife came, did the same thing, and fell dead. Because she conspired to lie the same way. And what's interesting, he said, did you sell it for so much? And, and basically, she said, yeah, like, this is all. We, you know, we really sacrificed here. He said, well, it was in your hands. It was yours to do with you what you want to. Kind of like the Easter candy. You can't eat it once it gets here. Anyway. Uh, sorry about that. Anyway. Um, so uh, I noticed the church mice had gotten back into it. One of the bags got tore open and some more of the candy disappeared. But anyway, not, try, not trying to scare you or anything, but what happened was, what was so interesting, it said when the wife did the same thing, stole, I mean, didn't <laughs> steal the candy, when she literally uh, fabricated the same story. They had been conspiring together. And what's interesting, when she fell dead in church and the young men, the youth group, went out and buried him, uh, it said great fear fell upon all the people and nobody just joined themselves to the church. You know, if you got a problem with lying and you're like, hey, you, you know, you should check out the church over here that I go to. And they're like, nah, that's okay. <laughs> but what's interesting is, 
It said, but daily people were added to the church, those being saved. See, people weren't just coming. The church was going out telling people. They would get them saved. They would bring them in. They became part of the body. You with me? Because people need to be fed. People need to be discipled once they come to the, know the Lord. And you can see that the early church realized there are some people that are just are not even going to come to the church. And truth be told, the majority of people will not come on their own to any church. The majority will not. How many people at your job this week said, you know, we were just wondering what to do this weekend, and we are like, you want to go to the movies? You want to go bowling? Let's just go to church. Yeah, we'll get drunk on Friday night. We'll get wasted on Saturday, and Sunday, we'll just go check out a couple churches. You know how that happens all the time. See how foolish that kind of looks? We're to go out where the people are. We're to encounter friends. Somebody said, I don't have a lot of opportunities. God will give us opportunities. And, and here's the thing. Sometimes we're just not as bold as we should be. That's just honest. When I was in the world and I did drugs and I was an alcoholic and I did all that stuff, I was pretty bold about it. I was pretty much like, this is what you get. This is how I am. And I could sell you this, or I could get you this, and yeah, I'll do this. And it's amazing how bold people are on that aspect. And they're not, like, ashamed. The other day, I'd had some tickets to the drag races because they were the, the last time, and Mike went and someone else, Dave went. And so we were there. And you look around, there's a ton of people just getting drunk, unashamed, cussing and swearing, and, and, and I'm not condemning them. The Bible said they're already condemned. They need help. But I thought, they're just pretty unashamed about what they're doing. And it's interesting that, that we have the truth, and some people are ashamed of it as though it's powerless and really, I, I was taken back to when I was in the world back in 1984 in California, being at a drag race and being drunk. And I thought, how empty of a shell of life that was. And I thought, this is supposed to be cool. I remember thinking how I was empty doing all these things, and nobody got in front of me and said, wait. And tell a friend of mine who used to sell drugs, gave his life to the Lord, and I saw this huge change, and I'm watching him now. And he was bold enough to tell me and talk to me. Now, he wasn't trying to push it down my throat, and that doesn't work, because Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and shove it down people's throats. And we can get pretty zealous that way. You know, okay, then i got to win everybody. But, but I say it like this. You know, when you fish, you throw things out there to see if fish will bite. 
And sometimes just throwing things out to people that are small, but you got to be a fisher of men. You got to be thinking and looking. Now, I do, God, do know God will prompt us to lead us to witness to certain people, but other times, if He's not, I still got His word. And sometimes you just throw out a tidbit, see if people bite. Oh, what'd you do this weekend? They're like, oh, I was partying, I was doing this, we did this. What did you do? Oh, nothing. You liar, you were at church. Oh, you mean I gotta tell them that? Are you ashamed of the power of God? You've got what they need. And tell me, who hasn't left church one day and went, wow, I needed that more than I knew I needed that. And I've got God in my life. and He just really did something for me. What if I told somebody, oh, I went to church. Just threw it out there to see if they would bite. And if they bite, you say, what do you mean? Like, arr, arr, and bite you on the arm and start slapping them. No, not, not bite like that. They're like, you go to church? Yeah, I gave my, that's a bite. Yeah, I gave my life to the Lord years ago. I, I used to go out and party too and just leave it and see if they bite again. Instead of jumping up on their desk and grabbing them by the throat. In the name of Jesus. Now, sometimes that works. Sometimes you're going to go to jail like Paul. And I'll visit you, but we'll be discussing wisdom and understanding and things like that. And then I'll say, well, did you get him saved though? No. But the fact is, you know, just using small phrases, sometimes you, you can have bait. And I do it at different times just to see what people will say. Because sometimes people don't know that you're the door that they're looking for. And you are the passageway for them to find out about Jesus. Sometimes in the hard times of life, uh, people close up. They don't think like this. You know, all the children of Israel had Goliath coming at them. They're all paranoid. They're not saying anything. David opened the door and said, I can take this giant down. When we're going through hard times in our own life or we're real busy in our own life, we need to realize I need to keep the door open. In other words, I need to throw little bits of bait out here and there. You know, in the fishing world, they call that chumming. Where they throw bait out to see if they can draw fish in. You know, they do it for tuna fishing. They do, do it, I heard somebody say sharks. Yes, they do that for sharks too. Uh, but they do it at different things. I know people who go up to the lakes and will poke holes in a can of, and I'm not recommending this because of the environment, of course, and, uh, but maybe you have something biodegradable. And uh, they take some bait, throw it in the water, leave it for a few days, throw some more in there, and then they come back and catch catfish because they'll just start coming in and feeding, and then you're not searching for them. You know where they're at. Department in fishing game, this is actually just an illustration, nothing I would do. But I'm talking about fishing for men. 
I know. Last week it was chocolate and uh, anyway, or no, earlier today too. <laughs> Confessional will be open after church today. <laughs> no, but, but, you know, putting something out there opens the door. I think sometimes, you know, we've thought it's got to be all or nothing. I got to be preaching to everybody. I don't want to be working on a job for a year or two and nobody knows I'm a believer. These are too many missed opportunities. And like I said, bait. And, and let me make, make this clear. If you will tell people about your faith in Christ, it will preserve you from certain temptations. It will. Because people will go, Oh, I can't invite them. They're one of them. And it will help you because there's certain things you're not going to face. You know, even in, if you're single and people want to know, hey, why, you know, and, and don't, we need to realize, man, if you're single and you're serving God, you probably have a glow on your face that the world doesn't have. Oh, wow, what do you got? kind of makeup is that? Jesus, 101. And, um, <laughs> sorry. And, uh, but, but you're, <laughs> this crowd over here is, <laughs> but, but there's something, and then people think, ooh, I've been looking for this good-looking girl or this good-looking guy, but we need to, preserve ourselves and sometimes telling them I'm a Christian, I'm a believer, I have certain standards and you're not it. No. And um but you do that it can open the door to witness, but it'll also preserve you too. Amen. And and, and if you're being tempted, it's good to set those words out there. It will help you. It will help you. I knew you'd appreciate that. You're like, I know God's been dealing with me about that. It'll help you. And so the Holy Spirit, though, will convict. He will work through us. It's God's plan. So how do we throw things out? You know, the gospel is really the hook. People have to believe Jesus died and rose again. But the Holy Spirit's going to work with our own testimony. They're hurting people all over the place. Or you could say, hungry fish. But notice this, verse 8, we'll go back over this. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe on me. That's not even your job, to deal with somebody internally. One thing you need to realize is, is this, when you're talking to people or you've shared your faith, sometimes you'll see people resistant to you. It can be because they're in an internal battle. God is convicting them. God is dealing with them and they lash out at you or like, uh, but really internally uh, God's dealing with them. But here it says, of sin, because they do not believe on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. In other words, he made the way. 
And then it says, and of judgment, because the ruler of this world is cast down. In other words, they can't be controlled. They can't be stopped. Uh, the, you know, like Sammy Davis Jr. said years ago, this is probably a bad illustration because most people don't know. He coined a phrase, the devil made me do it. And he'd say it all the time, the devil made me do it. Well, in all reality, there is a way out because Jesus defeated him. But what we need to look at here is these, these phrases. He will convict the world of sin. Because of what they're doing? No, because the cure for their sin is Jesus. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father. In other words, he can make a person in right standing, not our own deeds. And of judgment, because the prince of the world has been cast down, but he talks about judgment there. And we need to realize judgment is a real thing to everybody who's ever been alive. And in such a way, I mean, in a profound way, there was a guy in the Bible, we all know him, Judas Iscariot, the one who denied Jesus, he told his disciples after and told them, he said, it would have been better for him not to have been born. Whoa. Peter used similar terms about people who had turned away, who once walked with Christ, turned away. He said it would have been better for them not even to know the way of salvation than turn away from it. Talking about judgment. Judgment is a real thing. Judgment is in the Bible. I think some people think it's just black and white, and if you're in the right lane, you go here, and you're in the left lane, you go there, and nothing else matters. But in all reality, it does. Turn to Acts. We're going to go through a couple of verses real quick. Acts, the 24th chapter. And we'll see here that Paul, who was an early disciple of the Lord, uh, he would tell his testimony. If you read, it's mentioned three times in the New Testament, but one of them in the latter chapters in the book of Acts is him telling his story to somebody. You can see that Paul used his personal testimony to reach people. At this point right here, when we're going to read, he doesn't use his personal testimony uh, but what he does is, because he did sometimes, but this time, the only thing we hear him preach is real interesting. Remember when the Holy Spirit's come, he will convict the world of sin, of right standing, and of judgment, right? Notice this, Acts twenty four twenty four. And, and Paul is in prison. You know what's so cool? Some people say, well, you know, I could get in trouble for sharing the gospel. I think it would be better to be in trouble now than have other people in trouble there. I knew you'd be excited about that. Paul lived his life. Many of the disciples, the early disciples, lived this kind of life where they knew there was something on the line, but they realized what was really online, on the line was people's eternal destiny 
and their need for a savior. Now you understand this, there are people who live and work in places where they say don't share. That's where you can share if you learn how to throw little bite-sized things. Make the other person engage you. There's nothing wrong with you telling them I go to church or I know the Lord. You're not witnessing to them. You know, you telling them I, I, I've got the answer. You know, my life has changed. I used to worry too. Whatever it is. And if they bite that bait, the door's open. They're the one engaging you. Amen? There's a difference. So notice this. And after some days, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now, as he, Paul, reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. Isn't it interesting? He virtually picked up the phrases that... that the Lord said the Holy Spirit will convict the world. We, we need to let people know there is a judgment to come. Everybody, even believers, will give an account for what they've done in this body, the Bible said. Paul wrote in, in, in the book of Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.10, it talks about everybody will stand before the Lord and give an account for what they did in their body, whether it was good or bad. Amen. I mean, if I've done bad, I sure want somewhere on that film, if I'm like, oh, great, oh, brother, oh, I sure want it, but I can't wait till that year happens. And it changes, you're like, whoo. But I don't want the film to be bad all the way through, so to speak. But it's interesting, he, he reasoned with him. He did the reasoning. The Holy Spirit did the convicting. He did the talking. The Holy Spirit did the drawing. Now, as he reasoned with them about righteousness, in other words, you can't be right with God on your own. You can't work hard enough to be there the, one of the statements that Jesus made. Well, you know, I've done my part. You know, I, I've just did as good as I could. And when I get there, I'm going to take my chances. No. Self-control. There's a lot of people in the world who have said, man, if I, I just need to live better, then God will accept me. He wants you to know he can give you self-control but you're not going to be able to control sin altogether. And so as he's sharing these things with this, this ruler, and then he gets to the very last one, judgment, he calls it the judgment to come. In other words, the things that Satan had control of were taken from him, put back in the Lord's control. And you understand when I mean the Lord's control, he's not controlling things. But in other words, it's under his rule, and then we have to use our authority. As he reasoned with them, and he came to this last thing, the judgment to come. 
you know, you could tell anybody that there's a judgment and it will do little for them unless God does something with it. That's why the Bible is the way it is to us because we've come alive to him when we received him and the Holy Spirit makes these things real. That's why we want to stay sensitive to him. Notice this. When he talked about the judgment to come, Felix was afraid. This is main ruler. He was afraid and answered, Go away from me from now. Leave me. Get out of here. He, he was so fearful when he was hearing this. He was like, I'm done hearing the truth. I'm done hearing the gospel. Because God was so working on him. Somebody said, man, that would be cool. Anybody who has witnessed to God, God has started to work this in people. He has. This is his design to reach people. And the Holy Spirit will do these same things through us. Here's something that's real important. As a believer... The things that thrill God should thrill us. They should. And uh, the things that don't thrill God should not thrill us. They should have a secondary thing. One of the great things is, was when you gave your life to the Lord, God was thrilled. He's so in love with you and so for you as his child. But we do know that heaven and God rejoice when sinners come and repent. If heaven rejoices and is excited about lost people being saved, then we should be excited about lost people being saved. And if it is a priority in heaven, then it should be a priority in our lives. You know, there used to be a saying, each one, reach one. You know, if everybody just started reaching one, we could start reaching the world. I, I don't want to live oblivious to those who are hurting around me. Somebody said, well, I've got a real ministry, and I'm trying to find out and trying to find my way and to do this ministry... The first ministry of everybody is reaching people. Very first thing is who am I reaching? Who do I have contact with? Who is in my sphere of influence? And this is a big thing. Because, you know, there's a lot we have going on in the world and we can get so busy with life that our head's to the ground doing the treadmill of life and before we know it, a year, two, three, four, five, and have I led anybody to the Lord? Have I helped somebody become a disciple that knows the Lord? And sometimes it can be four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years for some people, and then all of a sudden life is spent, and eternity for some will be 
unchanged. And that's not to be heavy, but I do know if I don't share this, then, then one day when we stand before the judgment, I'm going to give an account for not telling you. But now that I've told you, it's on you. Somebody's great. Well, how do you get it off of you? By telling people. But you know what? It's a thrilling thing. God has made his things a thrill. And um, there is something to be said about doing God's plan and realizing the basis for everybody's call starts here. There's a part of our commitment in the body but there's a part of our commitment that is outside the body. And that if I don't tell, who will? And I don't say that like, okay, guys, don't worry, you pray for me because I'm going to go tell everybody. No, it, it's each one of us doing our part of reaching people that's going to make a difference in somebody's life. And uh, it will make a difference in the world. You know, somebody said, why aren't we growing? You know, I've heard that over the years in different places. And I've said, then if, if we don't grow, then we, all, we, we should not outwardly ask that question. We should examine ourselves and go, who have I reached? Because it's kind of like, me asking a question about myself. You know, if statistics are that, that the church in the United States has been shrinking, then we don't have to ask God why. We have to say, what am I doing concerning God's plan concerning that? I'm not trying to be crude or anything, but they say our population in the United States is um, shrinking, meaning from internal growth. In other words, there are people still coming into the nation, but our nation is shrinking, so to speak. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but if we all got together and had a big conference and we said, I don't know why it's shrinking. I think what we need to do is pray about this and find out why our country is shrinking. How many of you would go, well, that would be a waste of time. People aren't having babies. That's why it's shrinking. You, are you serious? You mean if more people have babies, we'll start growing? Are you like a rocket scientist or what? No, we would just look at it so natural and go, well, there it is right there. That's it right there. People need to beget people. Sheep need to beget sheep. I'll close with this. One man said, Jesus said, I am the door. No man can come to the Father through me. Do you know that you are the door now? And nobody can come to Jesus unless you become the door. Because man is the one. 
that God has ordained. So really we become a door, a passageway to Jesus so that they can come to the Father. And so with that being said, we'll close. And I will say this, we should say to God, help me to see the opportunities. Because I, I and I'm not saying this about you, I'm just saying it as a, an observation. I can't have lived six months or three months and not had one opportunity. It's not being mean. It's just kind of a self-evaluation. I've just been waiting for a real opportunity to worship God and pray. We, we make opportunities. It's not to condemn anybody. It's to think in real terms. You know, if you, if you want to go fishing, you make a sacrifice and you go fishing. What we need to do is realize, have I been getting and taking the opportunities that are around me? Not be condemned for the past. Just realize what's around me. Amen. This is good. It, it, it so thrill you. You know why it will? Because it thrills God. It does. It thrills God. I've been hearing testimonies about some of our little kids leading people to the Lord at school. That's awesome. You know, one kid led one person to the Lord. They had an older sibling. They went and told their older sibling that, that the girl had an older brother. And so they told their sibling, you need to go reach their older brother now. So be it. <laughs> right? I like that. Childlike faith. Now you go get the other family member. Sounds like a plan. I reach this person. You go get that person. Well, I'll pray about it. No, how? Let's go do it. Amen.